0: Hebrews chapter 12. Last week, Janet covered the first 13 verses of this chapter. And today I want us to primarily look at two verses, the next following, 14 and 15. And let me just say that many of these teachings that we've been doing in the series of Hebrews, all the way from the first semester back in in August, They're available on our senior adult page on the Highland website under the media button option that's there. And you can listen to the messages online or you can download them uh, in an MP3 file to your computer. Friends, let me just say that our senior adult page on the hbcwaco.org website is a valuable resource of information. All right, how many of you have accessed that page? All six of you, God bless you. How many of you have computers? All nine of you, no, I know. Go to the website, you'll, you'll discover some amazing treasures that are there. All the information, all of the, the newsletters. I think Betty has done an absolutely wonderful job. Um, amen. And she loves it. She loves to do all that stuff. I'm glad she loves it. All right. Let's look at these next two verses in our study, starting in verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let's pray again. Lord, we need your help this morning. It's hard to live in peace with everyone. And it's even harder to be holy. But Lord, we're reliant upon you, the ultimate peacemaker, the source of peace, the source of holiness to come and impart to us these tremendous attributes that belong to you that we need today. And Lord, again, I just blow the shofar in Zion, Waco, Highland and ask that you would give us ears to hear what's in your heart that you would want to communicate with each of us this morning. Father, give us hearing hearts this morning to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. This is such a powerful and packed verse of insight for us today. But I want you to notice the connection that the writer makes with living in peace with others and being holy. He directly links these together. You know, when Mother Teresa of Calcutta When she received the Nobel Peace Prize, she was asked this question. Mother Teresa, what can we do to promote world peace? When I heard that, I thought he should be asking that of a Miss Universe contestant, not Mother (laughs) Teresa. But amazingly, Mother Teresa replied and said this, go home and love your family. If you want to change the world, start at home. Wow. What wise words for us today. You know, the Apostle Paul said something similar to this verse 14 in Hebrews in Romans 12, 18. Paul said, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably With all men. Or more simply put. Do all that you can. To live in peace. With everyone. Friends. God has a high priority. On being at peace. And living at peace. With others. And Jesus's words from the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5.9. Are simply this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. If we are not pursuing peace with someone with whom we have no peace, then we are not peacemakers. We might be peacekeepers if we are refraining from arguing, but God doesn't want us to keep the peace He wants us to make peace by restoring relationships. He wants us to make peace by restoring relationships. We demonstrate our likeness to Jesus and our adoption as sons and daughters of God when we initiate the steps needed to pursue peace. Actually, what we're doing is walking in the footprints of the Prince of Peace. Who already has gone and made peace. So as a reminder this morning, the kingdom of God is all about relationships. And our being at peace with everyone is a catalyst for God's holiness to shine. We are commanded to make every effort to live in peace with all men. Now, it does not mean that we need to agree with them or consider them a best friend. But God wants to show us this is a new covenant commandment. We must put every effort into living in peace with God and with others. It'd be so easy if everyone was like us. Yeah, we think so. But when we work together toward unity... In our diversity, that's when God is pleased and He's glorified. Let me repeat that. When we work together toward unity in the midst of diversity, that's when God is pleased and God is glorified. In fact, Psalm 133 tells us that when we do this, God commands the blessing of life to come upon us. What a blessing! I want you to listen to Paul's final words to the believers in Corinth. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. And live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now let's look at the second part of this verse 14 in Hebrews 12. First part, make every effort to live in peace with all men. And then the second part, to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now let me fess up. For many years, I misinterpreted this verse. I interpret it to say, I need to be holy. Because if I am not holy, I will not see God. But one day, I saw this verse completely different. I saw it in context of its setting. In context, this verse says that God's people, we must be holy. Because if we are not holy... No one will see the Lord. It's not that I won't see the Lord. It's that others won't see God in me and through me if I'm not becoming more like Jesus, who is all holy and is the ultimate peacemaker. So God's calling us to be lamps in the world that reveal God to a lost and dying world. But as we reflect his image, what happens? People will see him. But if we are angry or unforgiving or vengeful, no one will see God in us. I like how Francis Frangipan describes holiness. He does it in this way. He writes, From the moment Christ enters us, we are wholly set apart unto God. And this kind of holiness is the same sanctification that made the utensils in the temple holy. Holy because they were used in service to the Lord. They had no virtue in themselves, and their material substance did not change. Christianity in general is holy in that sense. But the holiness we are seeking is the fulfillment of having been set apart. We are seeking a holiness that mirrors, through us, the presence of God in heaven. And we are seeking both His nature and His quality of life. Okay, let's look at the second verse. That was verse 14. Let's look at verse 15. And I want to read to you from the New Living Translation, the second edition. I like the way it's worded. He starts out by saying, Look after each other. I like that. Look after each other. So that none of you fall short of receiving the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Highland, if we hold on to unforgiveness, it will mature into resentment And bitterness. And by that, we fall short of God's grace. We can't receive God's mercy for us because of the poison of bitterness. So Paul says we are to look out for one another so that no one will fall short of God's grace. And as we pursue peace with each other, we will end up removing the temptation toward unforgiveness that leads down the path toward bitterness. Now I want us all to turn to Matthew chapter 6. The middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. I want us to look at two verses, 14 and 15, because we need to hear these sobering words of Jesus again. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 Our Master, Jesus, says this If you forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, or women, I might add, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus says it even a a bit stronger in the Gospel of Mark. Turn there. Mark chapter 11, also two verses. Mark 11 verses 25 and 26, Jesus says this, And whenever you stand praying, people stood in their prayer lives back then. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him or her. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But, but, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Friends, Jesus is painfully personal. Right here. In Matthew 18. Jesus is giving examples concerning the kingdom of God. And the apostle Peter. Asked him after a couple of parables that the Lord had expounded on. Peter asked him about forgiveness. And how many times he should forgive. A brother who sinned against him. So then the Lord told another story. This is his answer to Peter's question. He told a story about a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And the Lord gives a 12-verse parable showing the mercy-filled compassion and forgiveness of a king. However, a servant who was forgiven a huge debt from the king demanded a small debt to be paid to him from his debtor. And the servant was unwilling to forgive the debt that was owed him. And in fact, he had his debtor thrown into prison. Now when the king found out about the incident, he immediately summoned that servant. And because of the man's wicked and unforgiving heart, the king was merciless toward him. Because the man had no mercy upon his debtor, the king had no mercy upon that servant. Jesus paints the word picture of the king speaking to the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, verses 33 through 35. Jesus says, Should you, being the mouthpiece of the king, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now I want you to picture the setting. Jesus is sharing And all the disciples are listening and hanging on every word. He looks around at all of the disciples sitting there and he says this, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother or sister of their trespasses. Wow. This passage should instill a holy fear in our lives because the whole dialogue is with the king and a servant of the king. Think about it. Calvary is all about forgiveness. King Jesus is the forgiving king. And if we do not give forgiveness and mercy and grace to others by forgiving from our hearts, not just with our lips, God looks at our hearts of what's happening there. We will not receive the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness from God. And a root of bitterness will grow in us and defile many. You know, resentment can sometimes be hidden. But once we've developed a root of bitterness, it no longer hides. It comes out in our speech, in our actions, in our reactions, in our attitudes. You see, when we are bitter... We tend to be angry or carry grudges, and we take on others' hurts very easily. A bitter person speaks harshly, critically, and overacts to minor injustices. And you know what? They even perceive rejection even when it's not there at all. Friends, we always need to forgive those who have wounded us. Always. Always. And if we allow unforgiveness to develop into bitterness in our hearts, we need to confess it. We need to repent of it. And we even need to take another step. We need to renounce it. We need to slam the door on bitterness, making sure it does not have a place of return in our hearts because it's a deadly killer. Then we need to ask Jesus to come and sit on the throne of our hearts again to really rule and reign as Supreme Lord because we, we really want to be under his rule and not be overcome by bitterness. Forgiveness is a choice of our will. And we may not feel like forgiving when we choose to forgive. But if we will pray for those who offend us and pursue peace with them, we will eventually be healed in our hearts. And we will, as a result, become holy. Holy and consecrated in that area of our lives. And the glorious result, many will see Jesus in you and me. Let's pray. Lord, it's just so easy for unforgiveness to happen because... We get offended. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to become quick forgivers. So often the hurt goes so deep and we just can't let it go. Lord, I pray for fresh grace to come upon us today because you could see in our hearts a desire to change a desire for transformation, a desire to confess that there's been area of unforgiveness. And Lord, today's a day of repentance. Jesus, the first me- words out of your mouth concerning the kingdom was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God, would you put it in our heart's desire to turn from that unforgiveness today in any area toward anyone? Because, Lord, we want to be partakers of your holiness. And your holiness comes when we're filled with grace. And grace is upon our lips. We don't speak critical or judgmental. We speak well. Grace is poured forth upon thy lips. Therefore, you are among the fairest of men. Lord, we want areas in our hearts consecrated where there's been damage where there's been unforgiveness, where there's been deep hurt and woundedness. And we ask that you would bring the healing that's needed starting this morning because we choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice, just like salvation. And we choose that you would save us from that area of unforgiveness this morning. Lord, we're again at Calvary. The birthplace of God's forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that not only would we extend forgiveness, but we would repent for holding on to it. And Lord, we pray that you would really Now sanctify and consecrate that area that has been dark. That's been the spot on our bride garments. That's been the blemish on our bridal robe. That you could heal that this morning. That you could make it altogether new. That our outer garments would look beautiful to you. Radiant in goodness and holiness and righteousness. Having the grace of God covering us. And the forgiveness of God flowing out from us. Because Lord, we're longing to have a lost and dying world really see the true Jesus. And Lord, you are seen and recognized in the lives of your precious people. And Lord, we also want to renounce that pattern of unforgiveness. That's allowed. At times, bitterness to come, how, how we just are short in regards to looking at people, or we see the negative before we see the positive. Lord, heal that area. I pray in the name of Jesus there would be a renouncing and a shutting the door on that whole dark area of unforgiveness that leads to resentment and bitterness. And Jesus, we just ask you to come this morning and be the ruler and the king. Once again, set up your throne in our lives. Sit on the throne of our hearts, Lord. And I pray that we would become sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. Who are sons and daughters that can forgive quickly, even when it hurts that we could start the process by choosing forgiveness rather than the dark side. We're sons and daughters of light and Lord, by your grace, we're going to choose to be at peace with everyone and to be holy so that you can be seen and recognized in this lost and dying world. Blessed be your glorious name, who's at work by your Spirit in each of our lives. To the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Next week, Hebrews 12, starting in verse 16. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you. Be wonderfully gracious, filled with grace to come upon your lives throughout the rest of this week. Have a great day.